0: Friends, welcome to season two of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting, or maybe something spooky, or maybe something just mysterious. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. This is Terry with Terry's Mysterious Moments. Continuing with my theme from last week on haunted hotels, I want to talk about some hotels that are located in San Antonio. One of them being the Minger, which I've talked about before. Seeing as how I used to work there, I had some experience in the Minger. Not visual, but more of a a feeling that I had when I was in the hotel. I had a a very definite feeling of apprehension going into some places of the hotel. I had vivid mental images of things that weren't there. So the Minger Hotel has an aura about it that'll make you a little freaked out if you're in there. The Minger I've talked about before with some of the legends of San Antonio, and the original Minger Hotel was constructed on the site of Minger's Brewery. Now Mr Minger was a German gentleman who brewed fine beer apparently and even now in the in the basement of the Minger there are vaults where they would store the beer to keep it cool because the river runs right near it so they could do that It was originally opened February 1st of 1859 as the hotel I'm guessing And it was called The Finest Hotel West of the Mississippi. And it was host to people like Sam Houston, General Robert E. Lee, General Ulysses S. Grant, and Presidents McKinley, Taft, and Eisenhower. Teddy Roosevelt recruited the Rough Riders there before he became president. And the, I think it's the mango ice cream was one of Bill Clinton's favorites. He got that ice cream a lot when he came through. The Minger has a history of hauntings, one of which was a hotel maid named Sally White, who apparently had a common-law husband who didn't trust her, and they had a, a disagreement of some kind, and he wound up shooting her. Well, she was injured, so they took her back to the hotel to take care of her, and she died at the hotel a day or two later. So the hotel paid for her entire funeral, her burial coffin and everything else. Well, people have reported seeing Sally still at work doing things that she would be doing as a maid in the hotel. She walks by people and then disappears. And it's a common thing for people to come up to the the management, the desk workers there, and say that they've seen something or they felt something, something happened in their rooms or in the hotel hallways. There was one story told about a little boy named either Leonard or Lawrence, who haunts the place. Now, there is nothing else known about Leonard or Lawrence. No idea why he haunts the place. No idea how he died. There's just no way of knowing. One of the managers said that he had his own encounter with the spirits of the minger, and once, while looking at a photograph, he started to notice that the lights in the room were dimming, and quoting him, he said, I feel like someone is standing behind me and is literally trying to bore holes in my head. He said, I turned and there was nobody there, and I felt a feeling of panic. Well, I don't blame him. There was another story involving the child of a guest who stayed at the manger and the manager that they talked to said he believes that children can see things adults can't. Well, this lady who was staying at the hotel, the menger in 2013, and she took a photo that could not be explained. In the photo, there's a child in red walking by and a dark figure behind the child. She looked at the figure right after she took it and quickly noticed what she had captured on the camera. She said she showed the picture to the people who were with her and even asked the parents of the child. Nobody knew who the dark figure was or could explain where it came from. The lady said she believes it could possibly be the ghost of Sally White. Sally, like I said, was a maiden dying in the hotel. I am, I'm kind of at odds with spirit photography in some ways, especially the digital age, that a very innocently taken photo can be misconstrued by people who want to misconstrue it, and it could have just been somebody walking by behind the little girl dressed in dark clothing. I don't know. I've never seen the picture, so I can't say yes or no, and I wasn't there, so I don't know the, the facts behind the case. That's all I have about that. Of course, in the Minger, they say that Captain Richard King, who was the owner of the King Ranch in South Texas, stayed at the Minger quite often and even had a room that was his room. That's where he died, and people have seen his spirit walking into the room through the wall where the door used to be because the rooms have been changed up a little bit since then. In my experience, the Minger Bar is spooky because when I worked there I did security from 9 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning so as I made rounds through the hotel I had to pass by the bar quite regularly well I would look in the glass doors and the light wouldn't penetrate very far there was absolutely nothing to be seen beyond just about a foot inside the hallway the strange incidents that I've had in the manger were there was a a little hallway where I had to do a key check which is a, a fire check, insurance check for the, for the hotel. And the hallway was only about six or eight feet deep. But I had to step in there, and it was an exit to an outside door. And I had to step into that hallway and do this key click. And I had the most horrible feeling of terror while I was in that hallway, like something was going to get me. This could be what is called a fear cage because I do know that there were conduits for wiring in that hallway so it may have just been loose electrical conductivity in the area and it just may have affected me that way. There was a room this was in the days before River Center Mall if you've ever been to San Antonio you probably know about River Center Mall. Well this was in the days when they were tearing up the ground in order to start building the river center mall which connects up sort of to the back of the Manger. well that was all barren land back there it was, it was torn up but it was barren land and at the back of the Manger at the time was a motor hotel and i had to come around from the hotel proper into the new motor hotel area and it was like walking into a 1970s johnny carson set because it had the ugliest carpet i've ever seen and just basic 1970s type designs this was in 86. Well, the very first room into the motor hotel, I found the door unlocked. I left it alone. I went up to the counter and told the people, and we went back and we checked the room out. We checked the bathroom, nobody in the bathroom, lights were off. Checked the bedroom, nobody in the bedroom, lights were off. Bed was made. There was nothing out of out of place. The the guy from the desk locked the door and pulled it shut. And we checked it, it was shut, it locked. Well, an hour and a half later, I came back by, and the door was open again. Well, I go in, and I'm carrying a watchman's clock, which is a big, heavy piece of machinery, and you could hurt somebody with that. Now, I was not armed. I was brand new into the security service, and I was not armed yet. This is the only thing I had to protect myself was this big, huge, heavy clock. I went in, checked the bathroom, pulled the curtain back, you know, just in case Norman Bates was in there with a knife, you know. And I checked the bedroom, checked under the bed. There was no other place to go in there. It was just the bedroom and the bathroom. Nobody in there, so I turned out all the lights, pulled the door shut, made it sure it locked, went by the counter, and told him again, hey, that door's open. Well, an hour and a half later, I made another round. And you guessed it, that door was open a third time. I left it alone, and I went up to the desk and told him, you need to go shut that door. And that was the last I checked on that door. It never happened again in the time I was there. I was only there for three weeks, but that was five nights a week. So 15 days I spent at the Minger. I never saw anything. I just felt weird at that place, because it reminded me of an old, what I would think an old riverboat, you know, gambling riverboat would look like just because of the way the halls were not 90 degree they were curved at the corners so it was kind of weird well there's another hotel here in san antonio called the emily morgan and the emily morgan is one of the kinds of hotels that i call foo foo because it is expensive the emily morgan hotel was originally a medical building it was born of marble rock before it became one of the most luxurious hotels in san antonio the Emily Morgan originally opened up as the Medical Arts Center there were doctors on each floor and then then above a certain floor was the hospital part and they had to have the windows where they could open them because you know in the hospital there's sick people there's sick people with wounds there's all kinds of nastiness in a hospital so they had to have the windows openable to let the air blow through and take some of the smell away. Their morgue and their crematorium was in the basement. The building was built as a 13-floor tower and built to resemble the Flatiron Building in New York. It's triangular. It lasted a long time as a medical building, and then it quit being a medical building and became an office building for just general office work. Well, then it became the hotel in 1984. And almost immediately, stories of ghosts began circulating. So many stories have circulated that in 2015, USA Today listed the Emily Morgan Hotel as the third most haunted hotel in the world. That's in the world. Not in Texas, but in the world. In 1924, that's when they first built the building. It became the first skyscraper west of the Mississippi and they really fixed it up to look like a big city building. They had gargoyles all over it. It was gothic revival architecture. The place looks like it belongs in Germany or something. It's just the building does. The bottom three floors and the top three floors were glazed with a terracotta finish, which means it looks different from the rest of the building and the middle seven floors were made out of a light-colored brick. They put these gargoyles climbing up one side of the building, and they put a bunch of them around the top, and it's just noticeable to see all these critters climbing up the building. They decided to style the gargoyles after all kinds of medical miseries. There were some with a perpetual toothache, their mouths gaping wide, and others clutched their bellies in pain, things like that. In 1926, it opened as a medical facility. Then later on, in 1976, became an office building. Then eight years later, it became the Emily Morgan Hotel in 84. And you may ask, why do they call it the Emily Morgan Hotel? That's kind of an odd thing, you know, since it's not a corporate name for a hotel. Well, Emily Morgan was originally born Emily West around 1815, and she lived until 1891. She was a free woman of color who originally came from New Haven, Connecticut. When she came to the frontier in the early 19th century, she signed up to serve as an indentured servant from anywhere from one to a few years. Emily was no different from anybody else at the time. She did that. And in 1835, when Emily was 20 years old, she was contracted to James Morgan. Now, James Morgan allowed her to take his surname, she supposedly was to work in Morgan's Point, Texas, where if, I, if it's the Morgan's Point I know, that's up around Belton in Bell County, south of Waco. So I don't know why they were in San Antonio. But anyway, after the Alamo fell, Emily and some other ladies were captured by the Mexican cavalry. And of course, this is after the Battle of the Alamo, so Santa Ana was moving east in order to try to get the Texian army and defeat them so he could have Texas back says that Santa Ana gathered the bunch of them and marched them out to the Mexican army camp at Buffalo Bayou. That's over where Houston is. They were getting ready to go take on the Texian army and defeat them. Well, Santa Ana thought that fighting Sam Houston's army would be just a breeze and he was wrong because obviously we know that at the Battle of San Jacinto that the Texian army swooped in and in about 18 minutes The whole battle was over, and Santa Ana had been captured. He surrendered. He apparently authorized Texas to separate from Mexico. Well, at the battle, the reason Santa Ana did not take part in the battle was because he was taking part in another form of war, the more pleasant kind, apparently. That's not proven, but it is suspected that Emily Morgan used her wiles and her charms to keep Santa Ana interested in not leaving the tent. There was a a British traveler named William Bolert, B-O-L-L-A-E-R-T and he wrote in 1842 that the Battle of San Jacinto was probably lost to the Mexicans owing to the influence of a mulatto girl, that's a mixed-race girl, belonging to Colonel Morgan, who was closeted in the tent with General Santa Ana. The girl was, not the colonel at the time the cry was made the enemy the enemy to come she delayed santa anna so long that order could not be restored readily again the battle won by the texans emily morgan was stranded in texas because all of her paperwork had gone she couldn't prove she was a free woman she was indentured but she couldn't prove that she was free other than that so she had to wait until somebody could vouch for her. Eventually, a Major Isaac Moreland, who was the Commandant of the Texas military at Galveston, vouched for her that she was who she was, and so she made her way out of Texas and got out to New York in March of 1837. There are legends that say Emily Morgan is the basis of the song The Yellow Rose of Texas. It's apparently not true, but, st- but it's still told as truth. It says, although the correlation between the woman and the song has been proven false, many still sing it and claim that the lyrics were written about her. Big deal. If they were, they were. If they weren't, they weren't. So the Emily Morgan is supposed to have several ghosts. There is a blank space between the 14th floor and the observation tower, where there was supposed to have been a clock installed but never got there the floors are numbered 1 through 12 and 14 so the 13th floor is actually the 14th floor or vice versa the 14th floor is actually the 13th floor but of course when you have people who are superstitious they don't put 13 floors in a building the most haunted floors in the hotel are the 7th, 9th, 14th in addition to the basement and it's suggested that if you really want to go to the Emily Morgan Hotel stay on the 7th floor if you really want to experience some ghostly activity. The floors mentioned the 7th, 9th, and 14th particularly at one time functioned as the psychiatric ward, surgery level, waiting area, and the basement was the morgue. Guests have reported strange things occurring in these particular levels, a sensation of feeling something cool rush up against you even as the lingering heavy scent of medicine settles into your nose. Up on the 14th floor, the scent is more than just overwhelming. Those staying on the 14th floor generally have one thing to say, that the smell is acutely reminiscent of a hospital. It used to be the waiting area. Guests have reported opening the doors to hallways, only to find a scene from a hospital waiting right inside. Their gazes widen, their fingers no doubt tight on, tightening on the doorknob, as they comprehend the nearly tangible sight before them. In an attempt to organize their thoughts, they shut the door. They take a deep breath, then swing the door open again, and everything is as it should be. It's a hotel hallway. The 12th floor, supposedly, guests have witnessed their bathroom doors opening and closing of their own. In the dead of night, guests are roused from sleeping only to hear the trickling of water leaking. A quiet drip, drip, drip that can ultimately drive you crazy. They hit the floor and they go to the bathroom and find that the faucets have been turned on, water flowing freely like a fountain. But when they cross the threshold into the bathroom, it stops. Others have seen lights flashing in their rooms and yet others have reported seeing actual apparitions of nurses in the hallways as they push rickety gurneys down the corridor. Then, as if the ghostly image was never there in the first place, the scene dissipates into thin air as if it never was. Interestingly, or maybe disturbingly, it is said that the Emily Morgan swimming pool has been constructed out of the stainless steel from the medical center's operating tables. I don't think I'd go swimming in there. It says that the elevators in the Emily Morgan will go up and down by themselves. What people don't seem to understand that this may not be have anything to do with spirits. Elevators are sometimes set to run by themselves until they can stop and go to sleep. It's not that they get tired, it's just that's the way they're programmed. They move freely for a while and then after nobody uses them, they maintain their level on one floor and go to sleep, press a button and you wake them up and they come down and get you. There are times when the people at the front desk get unlisted phone calls from the elevators and there's nobody inside the elevators. The elevator will sometimes kidnap people and take them down to the basement. There are a lot of things reported in the basement. They see orbs, they see lights, they see all kinds of things. They hear voices that have no source and they smell the stench of burning flesh. There are probably hundreds of people who inhabited the morgue in their death and very possibly the crematorium. We'll go back up to the seventh floor since we skipped it on the way down. The ghost bride of the seventh floor. According to the Emily Morgan staff, the seventh floor of the hotel might just be haunted by a bride. Who is she and why may her her spirit remain? We don't know because it has been a hotel for so short of a time you know there's no story of a bride dying there. But a woman's unearthly shrieks carry in the dead of night and it wakes up the sleeping guests. and the guests call down to the front desk to ask about the scream and the front desk attendants never seem to have an answer other than we're sorry but we think it might be a ghost responsible for that. Honestly I don't think I could stay in a hotel that was quite like that. But then again The Emily Morgan is the third most haunted hotel in the world. Well, that's about all I have for this week. I'm going to continue on with this hotel concept because I've got more to tell. Um, One more from San Antonio and then others that are famous and some not so famous. But I want to keep this going because it's, it's a good source for stories. And I hope you enjoy it. We all stay at a hotel sometime. So we might as well have something to think about while we're waiting for the paperwork to be done and our our bags taken up to the hotel, I mean to the room. So listen next week, see what I have to say about hotels then. Remember that you can go to your app store on your iPhone or your Android device and get the RPA app, the Real Paranormal Activity app. You can download it, install it into your device, and you can get Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. You can get Aaron's Horror Show. You can get Terry's Mysterious Moments, and you can get the Sandman Lullaby all at the same time, and you don't have to go chasing it all over the internet to find it. Real Paranormal Activity is on Monday with Aaron Hunter. Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail is on Tuesdays. I'm on Wednesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on occasional Thursdays is Patrick Sean Jones with the Sandman Lullaby. Well, I think that's about all I have to say for this week, and I wish you well. I hope you have a great week, and come back next week, won't you?